Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know I've talked with people from every state in the country at all levels of government, from school board to state representative to um, state auditor to even U.S. Congress and U.S. Senate and all things in between, uh, and from Maine to Hawaii, from Alaska to South Florida. And one state that I have not talked to in a long time is one of some people's favorite states, New Jersey. Uh, And I started this podcast, I talked to some friends of mine in different places, and had good connections in New Jersey talking to uh, my good friend Troy Singleton, a state senator there, and he recommended that I come back and talk to uh, someone he's really impressed with. So that's a good endorsement from the start, Quentin Law, and Quentin's from Morristown, New Jersey, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, learn about, hopefully, why you, as a young person listening, maybe, might decide to run for office as well. So, Quentin, thanks for talking today. Thank, thank you, Tony. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, and, and thank you for having this podcast. You know, I think that this is really important that you're providing a platform for people that are interested in running for office or have ran, ran for office to come and, and tell their story. So, I always <laughs> ask people, um, have you always been politically active? Uh, you'd obviously made a decision to run for office, but you don't just wake up one day and think, I'm going to have some lucky charms today and run for office. Did, was Were there things in life or the world that made you politically aware from an earlier age? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I played a little fun fact about me is uh, in high school, I played four sports. I was a all rest, all season long, um, four, you know, four seasons athlete. Um, I ended up getting lucky enough to play football in college, uh, but it wasn't until my like college experience that I have anyone that ever suggested, "Hey, do you want to consider doing anything besides you know playing football or you know uh, just the stereotypical things that people sometimes associate with what an athlete might want to do um, their post grad experience?" So I I looked when I was having a conversation with that professor. I, uh, I thought about it and I was like, you know what, I do, I, I've always been very interested in politics um, and, and specifically um, social movements around politics as well. And when I was in high school, that was really the start of what was, um, some might call the spark of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Trayvon Martin was actually, um, he was uh, tragically murdered on my birthday oh my in 2012. And, um, and he... And I was in Florida in the time of the protest. And that was one of the first times that I ever was able to see what organization and a movement and people that were passionate enough to get up, you know, get off the couch and, and head down to wherever the march was to to speak up for what they believed in um, really inspired me. So I wasn't always, to answer your question, I wasn't always politically inclined. I mean, I am relatively young. I'm 24. Um, but once I got into college, that was the first time I was ever really asked about it. And once I started doing research, I was like, wow, you know what? A lot of the changes that I would like to see happen, um, happen through policy. Mm-hmm. So the fact, so that, that was kind of the moment that I put two and two together and I was like, Hey, you know, maybe I have to get involved in politics and know my local elected officials, um, because the, their policies have a direct impact on my life. Um, and then ever since then I've been two feet in. And uh, it's been a it's been a crazy ride ever since. And you mentioned uh, the murder of Trayvon Martin and all of the injustice and the frustration and anger that went into that after the after it happened. Um, 
you know, you were a young person, I guess just a little bit older than he was at that point when that happened. What was that feeling like both in terms of, you know, it wasn't the first injustice towards a young black man, obviously, far from it. But what was that like in terms of seeing um, how people responded, I guess, both positively and negatively? Like, it, um, you can't really avoid it with the rise of social media and TV news and everything like that. So how, how did that affect you? Not just like I'm aware, but like, obviously, it's deeply personal in a way that isn't to other people, even other um, people of the same age, other people um, who are black, who are older or younger you are a unique position at that age, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that it affected me deeply. Um, <clears throat> and I think I want to focus on when I was in Florida and I saw the protests for the first time. And that was when things really started to heat it, heat up in, in the, um, in the aftermath of the murder. And I remember coming back from my Florida trip back to school here in New Jersey. And, um, it was almost like, you know, the timing was perfect. This was just when we started talking about it in our classes. And I remember feeling so upset because at some of my classmates' opinions, some of my teachers' opinions, you know, just the lack of disregard for the life of someone that was so young. Um, and, it, and it just felt like, hey, we should be talking about this. Um, and, and sometimes the conversation was like, uh, you know, stopped early. But sometimes when we let it go, you got to see where everyone really think, how everyone really feels. Um, and sometimes it was, you know, tension. Sometimes it was um, argument. Um, but that really put something inside of me and, and told me, hey, you know, there are deep injustices here in our country. Um, and we as a as a community, we as the American people, we haven't really spent much time to talk about it. Um, and, I, and I think that that was one thing that I was like, wow, something needs to be done. But I just didn't have the knowledge at that point in time to think, hey, this could be changed through policy. This is an issue that could be addressed through policy. So um, I think when I saw that and when I when I experienced that whole the whole spark of what uh, Trayvon Martin's murder brought to our country, uh, you know, that that really that really changed everything for me. It, it, it was a turning point. Um, and, and I think back then it wasn't even what I, the, what, I, what I thought back then it would turn into that, that wasn't even that that's not even what I became, if you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, to answer your question, I'd say it had a deep effect on me. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful that I had parents and support around me at that point in time that would have honest conversations about race with me. Um, because that also helped me understand, hey, you know, I can't, you know, I, I, I have to look at this through a lens of history and where we're coming from and how far that we have to go. And that helped, that gave me a real clarity of looking at the situation of racial disparity and economic disparity that we have in our country. That doesn't just affect people of color, but affects, you know, uh, the people that are, are poor. And, you know, there's a class system in this country that we need to just address. And, um, and that's, that's, that was one of my first exposures to that conversation. And, you know, you talk about uh, experiencing those inequities and, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement that happened as a re as a result of that, um, but it hasn't abated. And I think some people would say that there have been successes. And obviously, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one have proven that it's you know these issues are still there. For a lot of young people, they feel dispirited. 
a lot of people, young people especially, feel frustrated that they see these injustices like on TV, on social media. It's not something in the shadows. It's right in front of them. Uh, and yet they don't feel like there's policy that's been done to address it. How do you overcome that, I think, understandable angst and disappointment? How do you overcome that with hope and positivity? Well, um, I, you know, a few things I would say, um, you know, in 2020 here in my community, I grew up in Morristown, born and raised in the, in the community that I currently represent as a council person. Um, you know, we are a primarily white community, a suburb outside of Philadelphia in New Jersey, um, and uh, definitely upper class, a wealthier community. So the dynamic here when it came to the Black Lives Matter movement was very similar to um, many around the country where they were there were protests that were majority peaceful. I mean, there was a study that showed that over 90% of protests were peaceful. Um, and that was a really hopeful thing. I mean, turning on the news and seeing the worst of it can really like suck the, you know, the, the air out of the, you know, the momentum out of you. Um, but when you, you know, leave the house and actually talk to people and bring people together and have conversations, you find that the things that bring us together um, are a lot stronger than the lines that divide us. So um, that's that's what I found throughout the 2020 and the 2021 um, year. You know, especially uh, 2020, we had for the first time ever a Black Lives Matter march here in Morristown um, that was attended by over a thousand people, and for our community, is pretty big. Yeah, uh, and. And, you know, I always used to say never would I have ever thought that that would happen. Um, but it's it's hope. It's hope. It, it fills you up with hope to see that many people out and that many people saying, you know what, this has got to stop. We have to do something. And that's why when I got on the council, one of the first things that I did was I started what we call the Better Together Task Force, um, which is a task force that proactively and I say proactively because I feel like too often we are reactive when it comes to situations of um, equity. Um, proactively have conversations about how we can be, uh, we can expand opportunity and access in our community. And they have done great work over the past year. Um, and the work is still, you know, forever to, uh, we're going to always going to be moving forward. Uh, but I'm incredibly proud of the work that they've done. Um, I, I have a lot of hope because I realize that what we see on Twitter and what we see online isn't always the representation of how people really feel. And people want to see a country where we all can live together. People want to see a country where we um, talk honestly about our history and where our children are, are taught to respect one another and respect our, pers our perspective no matter where we come from, but to also understand that perspective and, and give time to understanding that culture and that perspective. Um, so that's what makes me hopeful is the conversations that I've had with people face-to-face um, -face and not online um, because it shows me, hey, you know, real people out there are doing the real work. And you did the real work by running for office in that kind of time frame, in that with the, all those issues percolating in your community, um, what was the thing that really made you say, "I'm going to run for this office for council"? And uh, did you know what you were getting into when you started that? So um, my story of getting on a council is pretty unique. I actually was fulfilling an appointment after our deputy mayor stepped down 
for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I was put on the council, I, uh, well, I would, the opportunity presented itself and I was like, you know what? I had a lot of imposter syndrome. I was like, I'm young. I'd be the youngest person to ever sit on Morristown council. I'd be the first black person to ever sit on Morristown council. Um, you know what? It's a historical appointment. Um, am I ready to do this? Am I ready to, to, uh, fill this seat, their shoes to fill, there's people that have done the work that I stand on their shoulders. Can I do that? And then I had to stop myself and I was like, hold on, like, no, I can do that. I, I am a third generation Morstonian. I know this community like the back of my hand. Um, and I know that I've given so much to this community and this community has given so much to me. So it felt only right to you to take advantage, throw my hat in, see, hey, if I can do this and give back to my community, then, you know, that's something that's truly a blessing. And that's what it's been this past year. It's been a blessing to, to meet with folks, connect with them, and and make substantial change that people in Morristown are going to feel, you know, decades down the line, which and is awesome. when you started that, you obviously been paying attention to local things. Um, you know, they didn't just pick your name out of a hat, right? So, yes. Um, were you, did you know what you were getting into though? Like, like, Oh, when I get on, I'm going to be dealing with, um, you know, comments from the public. I'm going to be dealing with tax issues and then I'm going to be dealing with police issues. Like, did you know? Cause I think a lot of people kind of will have one expectation of local government. Then they get in and realize the, the mundane aspects that you have to pay to that. You f- and then you find out people were not paying attention to some of these details for a long time. Yep. And that's, that's the thing, right? You, you, when you get on, it's always, it's never what you expect. And I, I had, I, you know, I've been to council meetings before, so I had a general idea of how local government worked. Um, but the behind the scenes, the closed sessions, mm-hmm. the, you know, the lawsuits, the, you know, the, um, you know, re- uh, requests for proposals, the bidding processes that you have to go through when you're doing capital projects and things of that nature, you know, it's so much. And, and that's why I felt uh, blessed to be in the appointment while I was running on the campaign uh, to, to stay in my seat because I was learning and I was able to use the, my conversations that I was having on the campaign to, on council and say, hey, you know, I'm talking, excuse me, I'm talking to thousands of people at this point um, around our community and here's what I'm hearing, whether it's about speeding, whether it's about taxes, um, but it wasn't what I expected. Um, there's a lot of reading. You know, you gotta, you have to, you have to be in the nitty gritty of the details. And there, there, you know, sometimes you miss something, and you have someone. You're walking down Main Street, and you have somebody that's like, "Hey, well, tell me about that ordinance you guys just, you know, passed last week. You know, what's up with that?" And you know, I have. It's always the most niche thing that right. you think, "Oh, wow, this really has a big effect on one of my neighbors' lives," and it, and it makes you understand the gravity of the position. It's like, wow, I can't, you know, take this lightly. When I get my packet, I, you know, I try to spend um, three nights, of, you know, just an hour or so, nothing too much, just looking through it, you know, casually reading, casually reading. And then, and then that way by council meeting, you know, I have an idea of what the meetings, how the meeting's going to go, um, what to expect. And then, then if I hear from any residents, I can respond accordingly. But when I got into this, I didn't know that we get, a whole hundred page packet before a meeting that describes every ordinance and, mm-hmm. and every resolution that we'll be doing that that meeting. And most people don't know that right. because that's the behind the scenes things that us elected officials have to deal with 
Um, but they're not, you know, they have, they're a non-starter for, you know, people that aren't interested. So, so it's not really something that we can go brag about. Yeah. I, we just had a council meeting here in my, in Bridgeport. And sometimes you have something with a lot of detail and you're like, I don't need to read all this. We're going to say yes. It's just for like a parking space or it's just for, um, a liquor license approval that there is zero chance we're going to say no to. Um, and, but you know that people who are asking for it are, you know, it's very important to them. Um, oh, yeah. Now, when you started, did you have mentors? Did you have people both on council and beyond that maybe were like giving you some tips and like both as a candidate, as a political figure and like with this minutia, this detail, like helping you make sense of it? Because I think that, like you said, you don't know what to expect until you do it. And so having people help is so important. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, uh, I always say I stand on the shoulders of the people that have, you know, supported me and, and made sacrifices to see me succeed. Um, I am my full-time job. I work um, in the Senate for uh, Senator Cory Booker, and I've been with his team for about three years now. And and his team has done nothing but, ex- you know, uh, show mentor and show hey this is how you are a good public servant this is how you serve your constituents and in the senate you know i specialize in veterans issues um irs issues so using that knowledge uh and and using their you know people from the office's perspective has really been uh, helpful for me and then here in morristown you know the our, our current mayor and uh, my family and some of the, uh, you know, just the Morristown people that have been here for generations and generations. They, they, I've sat down with so many people um, who've been like, you know what, Quinn, I got a piece of advice for you. You know, it's, here's my unsolicited two cents. And I'm like, no, 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 listen, I, I want to hear it. You know, I want to hear it because, you, you know, I'm, 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 a young, I'm a young person, but you know what good leaders do? Good leaders listen. Um, they, don't, they don't act like they have all the answers. Because if we did, we'd be lying. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't have all the answers. Um, and the way we get, we gather that info. The way we can properly represent our community to the best of our ability is if we listen to those that um, have that perspective. So, um, I do have mentors throughout my life that have helped me on so many issues and in so many um, obstacles that I've overcame in my life. Um, everything from sports um, all the way to the campaign now. Um, and and if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't even be in this position. Um, and, and I would, there, there's, there's no, I can't even imagine, um, what I would have done. And especially in that period that I described and anyone that's young, that's running for office knows what I'm talking about. When you, when the, when the opportunity to run gets in front of you and you're like, holy crap, I'm gonna have to convince 5,000 people to click my name on a ballot. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, and raise money and, and knock doors and, and how host fundraisers, like. You know, it's just it's an overwhelming thing. And then on top of that, legislate and, and provide for our community. You know, that's a lot. So so um, just remember, if you're young or if you're you know considering to run and you have that imposter syndrome that you you can do it. You are qualified. You just have to listen to your community, listen to your constituents and do your best to bring that perspective back to town hall. Now, working for Senator Booker, if you decided not to take local politics seriously, would he just like hit your wrist with a ruler? Would like would he throw you out the window? He doesn't seem like he's too aggressive, but I feel like there would be a lot of disappointment at that office if you're like, you know what, I'm not gonna get involved in local office, local stuff. Well, no, I mean we but don't. He's have very detail oriented in the New Jersey communities, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have many people in the office. Actually, I'm one of two that hold an elected position on a local level. Um, uh, but if anything, you know, we, we, what, there's a focus in our office of outreach to the places that traditionally don't get outreach. Mm-hmm. We want to go to the, you know, the, the Cape May County of South of, uh, you know, the, the deep South of South Jersey and talk to the veterans at the, at the veteran Seabock down there that just opened. We want to go all the way up to Hoboken and make sure that we connect with people at the, at the Lions VA up there in North Jersey. So it's just like the, on the Senator's team, I've learned, Hey, you know, constituent services is one of the keys to being a successful um, public servant. And when you can be that person that when your community or when your constituents say, oh, my gosh, I have a my trash is getting picked up or, oh, my gosh, I haven't got my stimulus check or my tax refund. I can call Senator Booker if it's in Morristown. I can call Councilman Law. You know what I mean? So I, I, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned on this team is when you ser- what what it means to truly serve constituents and be there and understand that they're not coming to you, you know, this isn't their first stop. This is usually their last resort and they're desperate and they need it, you know, a passport to go see a loved one that just passed away in a foreign country. Like that's not in by no means a situation that requires no urgency. It requires urgency and, and the utmost attention upfront. So um, that's what I've learned is that, you know, sometimes it comes at inconvenient scenarios, but you have to be prepared and properly and good government has good constituent has good services for its constituents at an affordable price. So you, um, I, I totally agree. I think that that's kind of the most fun part about local government. Yeah, I'm being a senator is cool and all, but when you're local, <laughs> not all, but when you're local, you're when you're a senator, you're both in the Senate physically, but also you can't have the time to be in those communities constantly. So you not only can advocate for your local things, but you see it con- like you walk by it, right? Yeah. So you see that, um, you know, I'm constantly, I'm talking to people about the importance of having young people run for office and get their voice heard in, in that way. What do you think on a local level, and this isn't about Morristown necessarily, but just in general, if you saw like a council that had people under 30, um, that is a majority, what do what kind of transformative difference would that make having a lot of younger people in public office as council members or school board members, et cetera. I, I would tell you that whatever council that is, they have a great website. <laughs> they have, you know, um, good technology, hybrid meetings, um, you know, a- expanded access. Uh, you know, I think that young people bring a fresh perspective to politics, but I, I, I do think, that there needs to be wide perspective. It doesn't just need to be young people, but I think having young people in positions of, of, of uh, decision-making in, in local government um, can really get, can make people excited about um, get, of get, getting involved with the community. When, you know, there's things um, uh, that I'll, 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 when I was an organizer and I, I I used to be in electoral politics and I used to work on campaigns uh, before I worked in the Senate. Um, one of the things that I liked to do the most was get events that had young, that would attract young people. Everyone wants to go, you know, young people bring energy, young people bring life. Um, and I think that, you know, when you have 
when you have that energy and you bring that into government, it only freshens things up. And we're, you know, we're only human. You know, if you have the same people doing the same things for so long, we, we have the tendency to get complacent. That's just the way it is. And I think bringing in new diverse perspective um, can sometimes be what's best for the local government, but also be what's best for the, the local community. And, and when, and I think the more people that you have engaged in local government and actively paying attention, um, the better your government's going to work, the, the, the more efficient budget that you're going to have, the, the better, the worse streets are always going to get paved. You know, people are going to be speaking to their government and the government's going to be responding accordingly. So I think when you bring young people into the fold, that energy and that life that, that we all know young people can bring to everything. That applies to um, government as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and what, the one thing I'm concerned about is that there's a lot of young people that are feeling dour. There's a lot of doomerism on social media. I don't see that with yours. Um, and I know that COVID's a big deal with that. The you know the things with the economy, the uh, rise of really hateful politics and all this. So for a lot of younger people, especially, uh, might see that and say. It's just overwhelming. It's it's not going to work. Why? Why? How would you encourage people to, especially who are younger, to get involved? Obviously, you would, but like, what would you tell someone as their first step? Like, we need you, and this is what you should do. I would say I would say we need you because I've seen ballot initiatives that have lost by ten votes. Um, you can make real policy change. One person can make real policy change in their local community. Morristown has, is a traditionally has been traditionally a dry town, has been traditionally a town that you would people would be like, we'd never have a microbrewery in Morristown. We'll never have anything like that. Um, and this year we passed a, a, allowing microbreweries, wineries, and distilleries which is are, are going to be huge for our main street and our downtown for bringing people to, you know, come have a beer after, you know, on a Sunday or, um, uh, and, and, and be in our downtown area. So what I would tell young people is that, yeah, you can look, look to national politics and you see, you know, what you described as the doomerism and everyone's like, there's not, it's not worth getting involved. But when you look locally, you can not only, bring change, but you can be the change. You can get involved and really move the ball forward on so many issues. And, um, you know, we passed this year here in Morristown, you know, um, a, a, a ordinance that allows cannabis businesses here in our community that we're going to have, uh, we're going to have 2% of a, um, tax revenue off of that. We're going to use that tax revenue to put towards parks, youth programs, municipal internship, hopefully. Um, so there's things like that that are, can be so transformative for the local community. Um, that's why, that's how I try to encourage people to get involved. And then I also try to use my social media. I try to show them, Hey, you know, politics isn't all like, you know, as it's a lot of people see it as a really intimidating thing. They see it as something that they don't understand. It's, you know, a, you know, foreign language to them. Um, and I try to tell them, hey, you know, some of these people in politics that you think are so smart don't know as much as they pretend that they know. Um, and, and you need to realize that we need good people in politics. We need passionate people in politics. We need young people in politics. We need diverse people in politics. And when you get involved, and, and, and usually when you break down that barrier and say, hey, you know, like, 
the reason why you have a pothole out in front of your house is because they had a meeting last month where they went over the overlay program and they're, you know, the planning board asked for comments and they didn't get any comments because no one showed up to the meeting. So they just picked certain streets and they didn't hear from you. So it's that, it's that type of engagement that can make the change in your life locally. Um, and then that reverberation can be national. Um, but, but I, I've, I try so hard to get, I've gotten all my friends registered to vote, everyone close to my life to registered to vote. Uh, but I try to always tell them, Hey, politics isn't as intimidating as it looks. You just need to vote above all, educate yourself on the candidates and spend a little time reading the news, but don't read one source. Don't stick with one source, get a diverse source of, get diverse sources of news and, uh, make your judgments off of the information and research that you conduct. Uh, and usually people, you know, inch their way along. And then eventually, um, my parents are so far gone now. They're, they're news junkies and political junkies now. So, um, they, four years ago, they weren't even consistent voters. So that's my, uh, that's my biggest accomplishment. <laughs> well, my parents are news junkies to the point where I have to tell them, you know, you have other channels, right? You can, <laughs> you can watch football. Like I don't, I can't watch the news. I just hate watching the news. I read it, but I hate like my parent, my my dad will watch the same news story on repeat later in the day. Like it's the same woman who a truck crashed into her store. You need to stop. Um, but I, like you said, with uh, you know imposter syndrome and everything, I have met a lot of people who seem like they weren't ready to run. They they thought it was intimidating. I was like, have you met these people that are in office? Like they're not that impressive. I'm not that impressive. Like it's it's not like you know the world's best here and all all the time. And it's just because they, <laughs> they decided to run. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing where it kind of levels everyone out you realize like well not everyone can do this well but anyone can do this yeah i mean it takes a special type of person to have the courage to put their name on the ballot so i give whoever's whoever credit that that has the courage to do that um you know it's not an easy thing to do uh but i encourage i strongly encourage if you've thought about running you know do your research there's organizations out there that will support you um and give you the resources that you need so please, you know, look into that. Um, it, it's this has been being a council member in my, my hometown has been the honor of my life of my lifetime up to this point. Um, and I hope to continue to serve, continue to make change in my community, um, because just in this past year, I've seen so much of it. And I want to and I want to keep pushing forward, keep moving my, my community forward um, because I, it makes my family proud and it makes my community proud. So uh, I, I it's just it's just an amazing experience. And, I'm, and I can't really say enough how surreal it is. Well, you've certainly built up a good reputation for it already. I think that's obvious. And beyond that, people you have a reputation because people know who you are. They've, you've met them door to door. You've met them by the phones online. But if people are listening to this and maybe they want to reach out and learn more about how they can run for office, learn more about kind of things you're doing locally, like can we replicate that in my town? What's the best way for people to follow you on social media and learn more? So I'm on social media. I'm on um, I'm, I'm on Facebook at uh, Councilman Quinton Law. I'm also on Twitter at Quinton Law, Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-L-A-W. And then Instagram, Quinton Law, N-J. Um, and you can get on there, just shoot me a DM and I'll get you my email. And then 
um, whatever anyone that's listening needs. You know, this is about bringing this is about bringing all the voices to the table and lifting. You know, lifting all of us up. We can we can empower each other to ser- to do better for all of our communities. Um, so anyone that I can help, please reach out. Well, I encourage anyone that's listening to definitely list, uh, reach out to Quentin, follow him. You won't be disappointed. I think that especially being young, not so young, you are appropriate age to run for office Thank and you. you can see what you're doing. I don't like when people say, oh, you're so young running. Like, yeah, that's what you should be doing is running for office at 24. <laughs> that's not, it's not a bad thing. Uh, so best of luck. And I encourage anyone, if you're listening, maybe you should follow Quentin's example and you should be a candidate to run for office too.